Welcome to the Social Lights podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers and innovators on how they connect with their tribe on social media. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Welcome to episode three of the Social Lights podcast. I am here with Mandy Richards, founder and CEO of Global Sisters. And I'm going to let Mandy explain more about what it is that she does. But welcome, Mandy. It is great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. So, Mandy, the first question I want to ask you is what lights you up? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, gosh, my little boy and (laughs) lots of things. I'm really passionate about human rights. I'm really passionate about animal welfare. I love being outside in nature. I'm an introvert quite like being by myself a lot of the time, which is hard when you have a family and a big hairy dog. I have a rescue Malamute called Bubbles as well. But, you know, family, friends, nature and making a difference. Wonderful. Um, So tell us a little bit about your journey up to launching Global Sisters. What were you doing before that? You've had a really interesting background. So tell us a bit about that. Oh, gosh. So I grew up on a little farm in country New South Wales in Armidale. And then my family moved to Indonesia and I went to an international school during primary school and then back to Armidale. You know, I went to uni and I studied business and then I studied trademark law. And I've had a career that's been quite broad across business, social enterprise, business incubation, innovation, that sort of space. I worked for a couple of um, large charities and did some really interesting consulting projects overseas. So I worked for the Hamelin Fistula Hospitals in Ethiopia, for example, and set up their American foundation. I worked with the Botswana government around the business incubation program. And I've had a a variety of roles in Australia. One of my favourites was the national marketing manager for the RSPCA. I'm a big animal fan, (laughs) big animal lover. And yeah, it's just been a whole variety there, but I guess there's a consistent theme. It's kind of a common story in terms of the building up to an organisation like this, but there's always different paths to get there. So I always love to hear about the journey that it's taken to get to where you are now. So why did you start Global Sisters? What's the vision behind Global Sisters? I'm naturally entrepreneurial. I can remember when I was a kid on the farm setting up a table of little things that I'd made trying to sell them to my mum and dad and they never bought them. <laughs> I was always dreaming about starting different businesses. And I've had, I've done a couple of, you know, interesting things over the years. When I left uni, I partnered with a friend and created a product that we commercialized and sold to a couple of big companies. And then when I was at the RSPCA, I was selected to go on Dragon's Den, which aired in Australia for one, just they only did one series in Australia and won the highest amount of investment in that. And that was for a five-star pet retreat, which ended up being this $3.5 million startup in the in Sydney. Wow. And then I got back into the social side of things and I was just ready for another project. And I knew I wanted to work with women and I knew I wanted to, you know, I was passionate about human rights and I love anything to do with business and, you know, micro and small business particularly. So I, I think all of those things, and my experience growing up as a teenager with a single mum as well, kind of all combined to me starting Global Sisters. And the initial idea was a platform where women could sell products. I was focused on products at that stage. But the idea was that it would be an avenue to connect women to the markets 
they seek but didn't have access to, but also with support in developing products that people actually wanted to buy. So that was the very start of it. And then, you know, started working with a bunch of women with refugee backgrounds and then it was just like opening a can of worms. You know, we kind of quickly realised we needed education. You started with some business coaching then realised we needed education and worked our way backwards and backwards and backwards and then started working our way forwards again. And so what's the big vision for Global Sisters? So really, that's easy. It's just making business possible for all women. It's literally making business a genuine alternative for any woman who wants it to be an alternative rather than women being trapped in this situation of, you know, you get a mainstream job or you go on welfare and there's no alternative and there's no, you know, consideration of what barriers those women might be facing to employment despite the fact that they want to work as much as and probably more than, you know, most. What kind of women come to you? What kind of women are you there to support? Any women. I mean, it's so broad. Like basically our, I guess our guide or our parameter is that we're here to support women who are unable to access meaningful mainstream employment. So, and, you know, the barriers to, you know, mainstream employment can be far and wide, but it might be just living in an area where there's really high unemployment. You know, that could be a regional area, for example. It might be you're a single mum and you've got, you know, small children at home and, you know, childcare is unavailable or unaffordable, which is a situation for an awful lot of Australian women. You're really restricted to, you know, the house, basically. Might be someone that is suffering from some sort of mental illness or living with a disability. I mean, it's so broad. We're working with a lot of an increasing number of older women. You know, a lot of women find themselves getting retrenched around 50 and unable to find more employment. Um, And they've got amazing skills that can be turned into an income stream. So, you know, it's so broad, but really it's there to create a genuine alternative means for Australian women to create an income for themselves. And so talk to us a bit about the programs and how you've got the four streams that you focus on around helping women towards financial independence. Do you want to talk to us about those? So the way we look at it now, and it's continuously evolving. I mean, we've only really been going properly for four years and you know, we're learning new things every day and continuously refining it and as we learn more and more. But it's a long-term program. It always has been. So it's not one of these programs that, you know, you do a business education course for 12 weeks and see you later or even 12 months. It's a program that is really based around milestones and women can dip in and out as they wish, depending on where they're up to and what's going on in their lives. So it's, you know, they don't need to start at one time and finish you know, 15 weeks later or a year later, they do it at their own pace. And there's a number of sections. We've broken it up into three sections, basically, and it starts off really fully facilitated. And then it moves into a semi-facilitated phase. And then the last phase is it's self-driven, self-paced by the woman. So it starts off with education and then it moves into facilitated coaching, group coaching with access to a lot of different resources. And then moves to a space where there's, you know, self-directed learning, access to one-on-one coaches, that sort of thing. So the education section at the start starts with a program called My Big Idea. And it's a really fun half-day workshop where women get to come in, go through this process, which helps them land on a solid idea. And sometimes they'll, and it won't necessarily be a business idea, like sometimes they'll come out of it and go, actually, I want to go and get 
a normal job or actually I think I want to go and study or they might have gone in there with like a hundred business ideas and they'll land on one really solid one that makes sense or they might go in there with no ideas and then they come up with one while they're there so it's like a sorting process but it's also really great as a first step building confidence connecting with some other women who are you know on a similar journey and then if they go through that and decide yes I do want to embark on having a crack at starting a business then they go through sister school which is our business program and that's super super practical it's not about theory it's about coming out the other end and being ready to go to get started on this business journey properly and that's made up of nine modules and then after that they start accessing coaching and all sorts of other resources and also the community of course that's when they really get hooked into the community our sister tribe and that opens up a whole new world of support in itself so the way I found out about your amazing work was that a friend of mine asked if I would contribute to an event that you've just held recently which was called sister pitch can you tell us a bit about that because it was an amazing event Yes, this was our second sister pitch. So we did one last year in Sydney. This year it was in Melbourne. And uh, the idea is that 10, although this year we had 11, but the idea is that 10 women, 10 of our sisters, pitch their businesses to an audience, a live audience. They're not pitching for money. They're pitching for access into networks and business opportunities and for pro bono services. So we've had some incredible support from different companies like Clemenger and T2 and Maddox and, you know, really big corporates that just get on board and provide the most incredible services to these women. Like, you know, there was a, like Clemenger last year, for example, did a foodie photo shoot and styling and all of that sort of thing and, and then created a website for one of our sisters you know, the service they gave her normally would cost over $120,000. So, you know, it's this giving them access to expertise and networks and they're continuing to support her in all sorts of ways. Like hire, she has a catering business. So they're using her catering service now in-house. So the access into networks is a huge one. Then there's the tangible services to accelerate their business to the next level that come out of it. And we also do a fun, quick and powerful uh, crowdfund right at the end and raise some money as well. So I think last year, each of the sisters got about $3,000 to put towards business expenses. And this year it's just, I think at the moment, it's sitting at about 2,700 each, but we're hoping we'll get that up to 3,000. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. There was such amazing energy in that and something magical that happens when you get people who are willing to stand up and share and the confidence that those women obviously have due to the work that they've done with you, you know, empowers them to do that and to stand up and share their vision and their story and to receive that support. I think the most powerful part of it is at the end when they've done their pitch because it's so terrifying. I mean, public speaking is terrifying for most people at the best of times. I mean, generally, you know, the women pitching haven't done anything remotely like that. So it's a huge exercise. But also seeing so many people who are prepared to believe in them and support them that has a massive impact, has an incredible impact. So tell me about the impact that Global Sisters makes on the world. How many women have made it through the program so far? I think we've actually supported something like 1,200 women, maybe 1,300 women in some way. Because when we started the program, obviously, initially, we didn't have the whole education program set up. So that was more around coaching. And then as it grew, you know, the support has changed and turned into a, a bigger program. But yeah, I mean, we've had hundreds of women go through sister school. But you know, it's over a thousand, but we haven't actually been focused on numbers. We've been focused on trying to get the model right. 
And we're still doing that. We're working at the moment. We're developing some tech and we're just completing our five-year strat plan. And that is about scaling. That's about having a program that any woman anywhere in Australia can tap into. Hopefully soon we're going to start really exploding. But we're, we're getting there as far as having everything available to women irrespective of where they are. And so how do you use technology and social media to connect to your tribe and to connect the sisters? So we have a closed Facebook group, Our Sister Tribe, which is for our sisters and supporters. And that's pretty active and, you know, works like a lot of the Facebook groups that are around for business networks. I think what's probably special about ours is or and unique is that it's incredibly supportive. It's a very safe environment. You know, it's a closed group, so it's not one that's open to anyone who's not a part of Global Sisters. That's really important for a lot of the women. You know, it's incredibly supportive. The women get in there and, you know, support each other. And, you know, the team is a big part of that, as well as some of our other supporters that are on there as well. So we, as the women go through sister school, or once they finish sister school, if they're going to keep going, then we invite them to become a part of that. And, and most of them do. And it's just a great way for, you know, to stay in touch with everyone and everything that's going on. That's the main social media we use. I mean, that's the only social media we use in terms of the women we're supporting. We obviously have an Instagram page and all the rest of it. We do a beautiful job of Facebook and Instagram, really beautiful. You know, I think the organisations that are using social media well now to raise awareness and to connect people are the ones that tell powerful stories. And it's what fuels your organisation is the amazing stories, you know, that bring women to where they are now when they're starting a business. And you do a, a beautiful job of sharing those stories and doing that, you know, really bright, vibrant way. So I'm quite obsessive compulsive about our photography and we've gone through an interesting just branding shows it's beautiful photography (laughs) (laughs) in a positive way it's beautiful photography half the team tearing their hair out about it but we've gone through a really interesting like branding journey as an organization to you know nail the look and feel of what is right that you know lifts women up that empowers them that tells their story and portrays them as you know strong independent women standing tall and we've had if you know we've gone through a few iterations of that you know I think where we've landed works really well you know they're just genuine photos that beautiful and bright really and sometimes they're serious and sometimes they're happy it just depends on the women storytelling is critical for us and we I don't think we've nailed it at all but I'm hoping next year we're going to get on top of that you know the photos share so much without words Yeah, absolutely. And I was having a look before we got on the podcast at your amazing online shop, some of the things that you have for sale there. Talk to us a little bit about that side of your organisation. So the shop is just one part of, I guess, our sales and marketing support. So you mentioned before the four pillars. So we support through business education, business coaching, we do microfinance and we're working on providing as much support as we can around sales and marketing channels. And, you know, that's a really tricky one because every business is different clearly and they, they all, you know, have completely different sales and marketing strategies and channels. One of the very first things we did was set up a small online shop with the idea of providing curated products made by, you know, some of our sisters. I mean, we have women with businesses ranging from dog walking through to, you know, robotics and coding schools for girls. So this is a very small proportion of women that we support who are selling through the shop. But for the women that are making kind of beautiful handmade products, 
it's a massive step up for them because, you know, they see their products photographed and styled and curated and it's their first sales. So, you know, for them, that's a massive step forward. But for us, where we're really trying to move the retail now is into corporate gifting because, you know, we have these amazing stories and these amazing Australian women hand making all of these products. And, you know, for corporates who are, you know, really trying to show they operate with some purpose, it's a genuine gift. So, you know, we have such a range of beautiful Christmas boxes, for example, which you leave traditional hampers dead because they actually mean something. They're incredible quality and they come with a story card of every sister. So that's something that we're working on now and hopefully that's going to grow. I was just going to ask if it comes with a story because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes it really powerful. Yeah, we try and connect every product back to the maker. So, yeah. I was really blown away by the peace bomb necklaces from Vietnam. Oh, Are you yeah. able to tell us I'm planning and I, I'll go and buy them before I put the podcast out so they're not sold yeah. out? <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about that? So when we first set up the shop before, when we were more focused on general retail, like the general public rather than corporates, which is what we shifted to now, we were selling... I think we were working on a 50-50 split with the products. And so some of them were being handmade by women in social enterprises overseas. And some of them were made by women we were supporting in Australia. And so the Peace Bomb necklaces, their products are amazing. I think they're from Laos and they're made using, I think they're leftover shells from landmines. And their whole ethos is around turning something horrible into something beautiful. Yes, um, I think I read it was from the Vietnam War, so shells and bombs. Vietnam, and, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's such a gorgeous concept. And, and what they're beautiful I, necklaces too. Oh, they're amazing. They're beautiful. And what I really loved about what they do is the curating. So, you know, they're products with a, so, with a massive social purpose and an educational purpose. And they're, you know turning something completely evil into something completely beautiful that people can wear and they have a real story behind them. But everything is so beautiful and stylish and, you know, they look like they've come out of vogue. I guess that's the direction that we've tried to take with Global Sisters Retail. You know, we, so often retail that's associated with not-for-profits is, you know, just daggy and crappy and you don't want a piece of it. And that was always my initial idea for Global Sisters. You know, I grew up in Indonesia. I've travelled a lot and I'd always see women you know, making these incredible things, but not things you wanted to buy. And I used to say there's only so many sequined elephants one can buy. And that was really what started me thinking, you know, there's got to be a way of helping these women find people who can buy this stuff, but also help them make things that people actually want to buy. Wonderful. Well, I'll definitely be a regular in your (laughs) online shop because there are some beautiful gifts and it's just to be able to, I think there's so much same, same now when you look at what's available retail wise and to find things that are unique and that actually have meaning is more and more important in a world of plastic and, you know, very transient and disposable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And we try and we have a real focus around, you know, women using raw materials and starting up environmentally sustainable businesses. And so they're not just ethical in terms of, you know, socially conscious. We have a real focus around environmental sustainability as well. So what's your one piece of advice to other change makers and innovators or even to women who are thinking about starting a business? What's the one thing that you would say to inspire them to take action? Oh gosh, I would say just start. 
you know, I mean, what's that beautiful old saying? It takes a journey of a thousand leagues starts with a single step. You just have to start. Money was always a big barrier for me. I didn't grow up, you know, with much money around me. And, you know, when I was going down the Dragon's Den journey, actually, one of my investors said to me, don't ever let money be a reason for not starting or not doing something. And that's always stuck with me. And now it's not even on my radar because what I've found is if you're doing something that you believe in from the heart and it's a good idea, everything, you just meet the right people at the right time and the right things seem to happen. I mean, obviously, you know, some people are in circumstances that have a lot more opportunities than others, but I've seen so many amazing things happen to women who are in horrendous circumstances just because they're positive and they get out and they're determined. What I've found is most people are willing to help if you just ask. I'm very good at asking. <laughs> well, you need to be to, you know, to hold the space that you hold for all of those women. You need to be really good at asking. So if there's, you know, for me, I'm a newly single mum. And when I look at the last couple of years in particular, which have been really challenging it's there are two things I think that have gotten me through and one is my business so the fact that I've had a business to keep getting up for in the morning and focusing on and the community and the connection that I get through that business yeah but also my sisters you know the strong amazing wonderful women in my life who have supported me at times where it's been really tough and to provide that environment where you're providing both of those things for women is such a gift to give to them. So if there are women out there who, for whatever reason, they're in circumstances where they're not financially independent and they're wanting to be, how do they connect with you? What would you like them to do, both on social media and website, if you want to share those details? Yeah. So the website's globalsisters.org. That's the easiest way. Or, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram. It's just Global Sisters and Twitter, which is Global Sisters AU. And if there are people in the corporate sector or who are wanting to contribute or support in some way, what can they do to help? I guess there's two ways of supporting. So they can support Global Sisters as an organisation or they can support our sisters through business coaching, business resources. You know, basically there's time, money and stuff. So there's a lot of ways that businesses can engage with us in a meaningful way that really engages their staff and uses their skills and is creating real impact. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today, Mandy, and for sharing the inspiration and vision behind Global Sisters. And I really encourage people to go take a look at the online shop and to reach out and connect with Global Sisters, both if you'd like support from them or if you'd like to offer support. So thank you so much, Mandy. It's been great speaking with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash social lights. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.